It's episode 100 of the JRPG Report, and we're going to celebrate with Persona Royal, Persona 5 Scramble, and even more Persona news here on the JRPG Report. That's right, everyone. It is episode 100 of the JRPG Report. My name is James Fisher. Thank you so much for joining me this week. And if you've been around since episode 100, since episode one, a special shout out to you. You are the best. Don't let anybody tell you differently. <laughs> but we've got a fun show for you guys today. Um, we've got uh, not a ton of things to talk about, but we are kind of celebrating the release of Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers. Uh, actually, right this minute in Japan, it's only the 19th here in in the U.S., but of course it is already out over there. And so we've got uh, we've got some fun stuff to talk about with it um of course royal is coming up in a little over a month in the west we've got a special video for it as well and some other fun things to talk about too i don't really have anything special planned for episode 100 uh i thought about doing a look back at certain things but i'd rather just focus on uh today and but if you want to celebrate episode 100 by becoming a uh, supporter of the podcast, well, I wouldn't argue against that. The link is at the bottom of the episode. That would be fantastic. So there was an interesting um, video released, and normally we talk about videos and they're showing off gameplay or it's a live stream of some sort. Uh, Atlas did something uh, a little bit different. So they got somebody to dress up in a uh, uh, Morgana or Mona um, outfit, however you want to uh, look at it. And they uh, went into the Koei Tecmo, um, I guess, corporate office building, and they tracked down Koei Tecmo general producer, Koi Shibisawa. And... Uh, it was kind of funny watching him go through the, the lobby and uh, up the elevator and then finally finding um, finding uh, who he was looking for. The, the building appeared to be empty otherwise. <laughs> it was kind of interesting. But they find him. They'd have a short interview in Japanese. and uh, YouTube actually did a decent job of translating it. Um, but they really wanted to, I guess... Um, just get him, and he was actually playing the game. So, kudos uh, to Mr. Uh, Shibasawa, who was playing Scramble like anybody else would. It was pretty impressive. And what I learned from it, and maybe I just didn't notice this before, I kind of thought this was a, um, of course, it's made by Omega Force, and I thought it was just you were controlling one character at a time, um, and, it, and that is true. But the other characters are on the screen fighting at the same time. Um, I'm not sure how that fact kind of escaped my gaze, but there are all four characters going at it. Um, it showed some of the level exploration and uh, trying to get to a, you know, jumping around and the different levels, um, different heights to the levels, and 
it, the game just continues to impress, and I was just as impressed with uh, Mr. Shibusawa's gameplay as I was with the actual game itself, and hopefully, now that it is out in Japan, we will get a Western release date sometime soon. If you'd like to check out that entire video, you can do so, along with everything else that I talk about today via the Facebook page, JRPG report you can also follow on twitter where i share all these stories in a uh i guess a more concise uh fashion as well as retweet their various things in the world uh the other persona um news there was two pieces of information that came out so first was uh two days ago we got a um there was a live stream for the uh, for the English version of the game, and it was about uh, it was over an hour, it was an hour and fifteen minutes long, so quite a bit. And so they showed off the first twenty minutes were in uh, Kamashiri's palace, and then a lengthy boss fight. Uh, uh, according to the timestamp, it was about twenty five minutes to fight the final boss in that one. Uh, the next 12 minutes are uh, dedicated to both the daytime and then the nighttime sections of uh, Kichigo Kichigoji. Um, they go into a special Kasumi event scene in the uh, for seven minutes, and then the final eight minutes they go to the thieves' den. Um, so if you'd like to check that out, you can. I've got. Uh, that story in particular, you can skip ahead. You can watch the entire gameplay segment. Um, or there are three special videos that you can watch them just playing darts. Uh, Joker using the grappling hook in another video. And um, the Kichigoji gameplay is uh, highlighted as well. It looks like that's the nighttime. Yeah, the lanterns are all lit up. So it's, it is nighttime in those. Uh, this was a pretty cool look at it. Um, I'm definitely excited about Royal. Here's my, here's my game plan. And this may be similar, uh, to yours. We've got Royal coming out on March the 31st. So that's 11 ish days. I'm going to go ahead and start it up, get into it. And just play as much as I can before uh, Remake comes out on April 10th and just drop it. <laughs> I will come back to it once I play through 7 Remake. I don't, you know, as we all know how long Persona 5 was, Royal is going to be even longer. But I half thought about the idea of not even starting Royal and that just seems kind of wrong. I'm unless I get into something between now and then that I don't foresee happening. That's my game plan and like I said maybe it's kind of like yours as well. Uh not to be outdone by that long segment just today the um Persona, Atlas released the Persona 5 Royal Morgana's Phantom Thief Crash Course trailer. And this looks to be 
absolutely designed that if you have not played Persona 5 and you're thinking about picking up Royal, and I'm sure that's some of you fine folks out there, this six-minute video is for you. The trailer sees Phantom Thief veteran Morgana teach new student Kasami uh, everything there is to know about Persona 5 Royal. Uh, here are the various topics that it goes into. What is a persona? And that's a decent question just to kind of get into in general. Uh, they talk about the new enemies and the new personas that are going to be available. They ask, what does a phantom thief do? And that's, that's a good question. Uh, they talk about the new puzzles in the palaces, that awesome new grappling hook feature. I can't wait to just zoom around with that thing. I might just uh, <laughs> spend way too much time having fun with that. Uh, they're definitely going to talk about um, uh, Jose and the mementos and him running around in there. The new confidant, Maruki. And, of course, that new location we just talked about of uh, Kichigoji and the new Phantom Thieves den or I'm sorry not phantom thieves but just the thieves den um, of course the game came out last halloween in japan we get it and not too much longer march 31st in the americas and europe and again you can check that out if you are a new player or an old player alike on the old facebook page there was one other um and i'll go ahead and get into this now i was going to save it to the end, but let's just wrap up all of our persona um, news in one segment. A interesting article came out, and this was through MyNintendoNews.com, where um, IGN chatted with Atlas Communications Manager Ari Avendukula. I hate to <laughs> hate to get that name wrong. I, I practiced and still didn't get that one quite right. So they were just uh, having a chat, and this is a segment uh, from that interview. And basically, they were asking that um, Nintendo Switch fans are asking developers to bring their games to the popular Switch platform, and one of those games is Persona 5. And here was her exact response to that Quote, You want what you want, she explained. And if you don't let us know it, we're never going to be able to make it. They, uh, she said that Atlas is listening and does see the desire for Persona 5 on the Switch, saying it's, quote, quote, inside of her quote, it's important to always voice your opinion. Um, she encouraged fans to keep telling us what you want, saying that she was fighting for it internally as well. However, it's important to point out that she is... Uh, also obviously not the decision maker. Um, I'm sure that goes without saying, uh, in this situation, despite being an internal champion for it. So it should not be an indication as to whether it could be happening or not down the line. We already know Alice is, uh, knee deep in development with Shimagami Tetsei five. It seems to be stuck in development. You know what? And, uh, scramble is coming out so here is the problem with all this um nintendo fans are very loud about this i don't know short of them showing up on alice's corporate steps doors 
and picketing with signs, which they may already be doing. I don't, I don't know how else, how's Atlas not supposed to know this is exactly what their fans want. That's a ridiculous statement to make. Uh, Atlas has pretty much confirmed this by not only putting Joker in smash, but then persona five scramble is coming is now out on the switch in Japan and coming to the switch in the West later, which is in its own idea, ridiculous because as we've talked about, scramble is a sequel to persona five. How do you not have the original on the platform that you're going to release it for? It makes zero sense whatsoever. If you want to, um, say that you're not able to do this from a technological standpoint, that the switch just can't handle the game. We'll come out and say that and get it done with. Or if you have to do a, you know, a trails of cold steel three, um, solution by clocking it at seven twenty, just do that. I'm sure fans would be just as happy as they probably play it undocked a lot of times anyway at seven twenty max. So, I just I saw this article and <laughs> I couldn't help but share everyone's um opinion on the matter that it's just kind of it's just ridiculous to say the least. That's all the persona stuff we got to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more. Actually, we definitely will have more because uh tomorrow night in the west or tonight it's it's tonight at 7 30 uh there will be uh the latest i guess and probably last um scramble announcement trailer live stream type deal so we'll wrap all that up and then start looking towards what may be happening in the west hopefully soon on this title so persona definitely dominated the headlines at least these past couple days and by the way, I hope you enjoyed our, our two-pack of podcasts last week as uh, the just necessity dictated that I would go ahead and do another podcast. I had the opportunity to do so, and so I did. I can't tell you that's going to happen every week. I would like to have the fluidity to do that if should time and uh, opportunity present itself. Uh, but just rest assured, every week you get a, you get a podcast. Uh, probably either Wednesday or Thursday. I, I think I'm going to try to push more towards Wednesday if possible. But I'm definitely going to try to always push a Sunday special from now on. I really enjoy doing those. It's something a little bit different. And I will tease this latest Sunday special at the end of today's podcast. A couple of shorter stories to kind of round out the news portion of the podcast. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, of course, always prevalent and staying in the news. Uh, first, they released a a very short clip. It was just over a minute long, and it showed all three of the named summons so far, Chocobo Chick, Carbuncle, and Cactar, their summons actually being used in battle. And I guess I was scrolling through Twitter and uh, the Cactar one, you know, started up automatically. Somebody had embedded the video, so I couldn't unsee that once it kind of already started. And I've I've actually uh, held off from viewing that one this week. I don't want to see any more. 
there has to be something fresh. I've already seen that a little bit, but I, I kind of purposely didn't want to see that. But if you want to see it, you know where to go and check that out at. Uh, the other news that kind of made the rounds uh, was it uh, somebody got a hold of, I guess, like a big old print sheet that had the front and back covers for the game as obviously has already started into some pre-production um, modes. And the one thing that stuck out to everyone was, um, of course, we already knew we were it was going to be on two Blu-ray discs worth of information. But the install size to your hard drive is going to be 100 gigs. So whether you need to go ahead and get yourself another external hard drive and start porting some of your save files over to it or just clear through there some of those old um, game files that games you're never going to play again or or if you want to, you can just reinstall. But you're going to need some space, especially some of your uh, your half terabyte owners or that's going to take up a good chunk. Um, hang on, just let me. We'll wheel over here for just a just a second. And I meant to do this before the podcast. And I apologize. Yeah, there we go. I wanted to see how big uh, Red Dead. Re- That's what I thought. So I knew everybody was kind of screaming like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is unheard of. No games ever." Never done this before, and so I just went over and grabbed my Red Dead Redemption 2, and while it was not on a true uh, two discs, and I suspect maybe that uh, Remake is going to do this as well, you did get two Blu-ray discs with Red Dead 2. One was the data disc that had to be installed. You did it first. And then from then on, you had your play disc that you would uh, keep in your PS4 and use. And as well to that, you had the 105 gigabyte minimum install on your HDD. So, and I guess I've, of course, realized that uh, not all gamers, uh, especially JRPG players, are also Red Dead players, but... That game is so awesome. You should definitely give it a give it a try. Um, but yeah, so people were screaming about that, and I just thought that was humorous. That, in fact, it had been <laughs> it had been done before. Um, in other news, we got a bit of a clarification. This uh, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road thing just uh, won't kind of go away for a smartphone title. I kind of wish that it wish that it would. So let me go ahead and just tell you this. Um, the Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, new game for smartphones, will be available within Kingdom Hearts Union X. Square Enix announced they can launch it via the game. Um, but then also, it was announced that Kingdom Hearts Dark Road will be a standalone game which can be played without playing Union X. So, you know, that's about clear as mud. (laughs) Um, If you don't want to play Union X, you can just play it on its own. But if you've already got it, you could play it as a part of it. I I don't know. And to be honest, I don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) It is just 
ridiculous. In other Kingdom Hearts news, of course, uh, it is finally available for Xbox One. Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 Remix, as well as Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. Uh, the 1.5 and 2.5 Remix will be available for $49.99, and then... Um, is that right? HD 2.4. Oh, I, I guess so. It's it's saying that uh, the HD 2.8 final chapter is going to be fifty nine ninety nine. That seems... Um, I don't know. Something doesn't seem quite right about that. So don't... That's according to this article. That's what their prices were. But I don't know. That just seems like that's not right. Anyway, don't don't go out and buy that and say, oh, that was the wrong price. They're available now. You can get them. It's pretty much every game that's going to be available on the all-one package um, at some point in time, I'm sure, for Xbox One if you just want to wait. If you can't wait, you can go and experience it right now. Uh, just quickly let you know that we talked about Monster Hunter Riders, the iOS and Android game. Uh, it is now out in Japan, so if you want to go to the links required to download and play that, you can do so. Uh, a game we talked about uh, here and there over the past few months, Little Town Hero. Um, it is now, uh, they have a release date for the PlayStation 4 version. Uh, it is going to be... June 2nd in North America, June 5th in Europe, and June 12th in the Oceana countries. Um, those were digital for... Um, there's also a physical edition, obviously, and then the uh, Big Idea edition. So all those versions are going to come out um, like the Switch version, the PlayStation 4 version of the Big Idea edition will cost forty nine ninety nine, include a copy of the game, Art book, poster, lapel pin set, an official soundtrack CD with music composed by Toby Fox. So if you were holding out on the Switch one and you want to check out this version for PS4, you can do that right now. Uh, also, uh, we talked about Snack World, the Dungeon Crawl Gold. Well, it is now available on the Switch. Dungeon 5... Dungeon. <laughs> what kind of word is that? Level 5's Action Dungeon Crawler is out now in North America and Europe. For the Nintendo Switch, it is available uh, digitally and physically for $49.99. It is an enhanced port of the Level 5 developed game originally released for the Nintendo 3DS in 2017 in Japan, known as the Snack World Trajiarges. How do you say that word? Jarvis. Um the game is set on the uh, world of Snack World as the evil Sultan Vinegar attempts to resurrect Dio Dragon Smorgaborg. Smorgaborg is what I guess it's supposed to be. Uh, creator, uh, players create their own characters that will join the treasure hunters, Chup, Mena, and uh, more in a comedic quest featuring uh, randomly generated dungeons. Looks like a fun game, and it is available right now. Um, this one just crossed the wires, and it is a 
old school JRPG that they are re um, making in that style. It's RFL Enhanced Edition. It has been announced for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android. I wish there was some way of saying um, it's been announced for everything. Because that's that's everything. It's going to be due out on March the 26th. Publisher Dankin Entertainment and developer Stegiosoft have announced the game. It is an enhanced version of the 16-bit era Japanese-style RPG first launched for PC back on Steam in June 2016. Here is an overview of the game. Um, This new enhanced edition features a slew of upgrades, including a revamped battle system, new character classes and skills, new side quests, and overhauled user interface, upgraded craft system, new enchanting system, and enhanced aspect ratios, new difficulty modes, an autosave feature, Twitch integration, and more. Its key features include exploration. RFL is a world meant to be explored. Jump, crawl, swim, and even fly through the air to solve puzzles and discover new locations filled with hidden treasure, secrets, and adventure. Every corner of RFL is designed with exploration in mind. Um, there is an open world that most of the world can be explored from the moment you leave the village of Aloria, the heroine's hometown. Provided, of course, you're strong enough. A clever explorer may be able to unlock secrets and discover powerful equipment early in the game if she or she commits to taking advantage of the open nature of the game world. There's tactical combat. RFL may be a story-heavy game, but the world is still fraught with danger. Choose specialized equipment and statistics, customizing each character to best suit your playstyle and to best thwart each boss battle's unique mechanics. And they say the game is character-driven. When you join RFL's unwitting heroine on her quest to save her homeland, you'll discover a world with vibrant characters who laugh, cry, crack jokes, lose their their tempers, and even their will to go on as the size and scope of the curse that plagues the world becomes apparent. Friends and villains alike are not who they seem as the stakes grow ever higher. game looks like a lot of fun. Um, it has a beautiful 16-bit art style to it, and I think I'm kind of looking forward to this. I would need to see the price, of course, and they did not announce that. There was a launch trailer that went along with that, so maybe a little bit closer to the release date, we'll get a price on that, and I'll see if that's something that is interesting or not. You can check this story out on the Facebook page, along with that trailer as well. Um, One quick story, and this is kind of just a blurb, is I'm still getting used to Twitter. I know some of you have been on there forever. I'm not on there personally, but I do get on there to try to find out some news. It is a good source of some information. And uh, our buddy Jake put me on to this young lady. Her name is Cassandra Lee Morris. And her tweet was something's coming this year that may blow your mind. That is all. And why that's significant, um, at least as far as Jake and myself were concerned, 
is she is the character actress for Fee from the Legend of Cold Steel series. And if you check out her profile uh, picture, she is um, many people you can recognize. And also, I just will say this also could be, if it is game-related, it could be... um, uh, she's also the character actress or actor for uh, Morgana, um, so that could be related to that. Um, there's some other ones that I'm sure you recognize if you were to uh, really pick through here, but very a ton of voices, a ton of characters she has been over the year between games and uh, anime. So I'm obviously hoping that that is some sort of announcement. Um, that Cold Steel 4 is coming. Of course, we got PAX East coming up fairly shortly, and we are praying that uh, that will be announced then. We can only keep our fingers crossed. The last thing I want to talk about today, and um, I will do that in just a moment. Uh, we'll get the thing pulled up. I do want to just ask, ask you guys a couple favors, of course. If you haven't already, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. I'm even on Instagram from time to time. Um, if you leave us a review on Apple, um, hopefully five stars, that helps pump us up the rankings and lets more people uh, find us. I would certainly appreciate all that support. I got a chance to view the Dragon Quest Your Story movie on Netflix. So, obviously, if you are a Dragon Quest fan, you have to watch this movie. It is incredible. Absolutely incredible. It is the story of Dragon Quest V. And, in particular, if you play the game, you're going to be just so happy with it. If you've not played the game, it is going to tell the entire story. So, if for some reason you've been holding off on playing that one and you don't want the story ruined... I guess then I wouldn't recommend you <laughs> watching uh, this movie because it is—it's the whole whole shebang. Um, but j- as you're viewing it, you're going to be sitting there, and you may be wondering why is this called Dragon Quest: Your Story and not Dragon Quest, you know, Handle the Heavenly Bride, um, or I believe the Japanese what they call the Japanese one, uh, Bride in the Sky. Same same difference, right? Um, just keep that in mind. Uh, I think you'll be uh, very happy with how they do this. Um, so yeah, definitely go, go check that out. You will not be disappointed. I may even watch it again, which is not something that I do with many things at all. And perhaps kind of inspired by this. I don't know, or maybe they were planning on doing it either way. But... Um, who is bringing this out? Uh, Square Enix announced that uh, there's going to be some action figures for um, the main character, Bianca, and uh, Mira as well. And uh, they look outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And so this is in uh, Japanese on Dengeki Online. And they translated it, and I'm <laughs> I have to read this. Uh, I'm assuming it's it's actual the translation, but uh, here it goes. Uh, first, uh, for the hero, 
reproduce the original image with a strong body and a gentle but powerful expression. Soft materials are used for the cloak and clothes that wrap around the body to achieve smooth mobility. Moving parts are adopted for the back hair, making it possible to pose full of dynamicism. <laughs> and I understand what they were saying. He's got long hair that can be pulled back, but it's just outstanding. Accessories include a stick and four replacement hand parts. Uh, despite its compact size, it is a dish that can be felt as it is during the work. That That is not my poor English. That is the translation. And uh, it is outstanding. Um, they're going for... 6,800 yen. And what is that translated Google? Oh, yeah, 60 bucks each. Honestly, for um, for these things, it doesn't look too terrible. I would love to see it more, you know, in that 40 to $50 range. But that is, uh, that's the price you got to pay for these things. So uh, here's Bianca's. A description: Her lively presence, such as her hair pigtails, blue eyes, and brightly colored costumes, is reproduced as her original. The skirt is made of a soft material to achieve both mauling beauty and action. Braid hair can be made to pose with movement by moving parts. And it it is a faithful. The, all three of them are faithful as could be. I think Bianca's is probably the most stunning. It is really really nice. Uh, six types of replacement hand parts. That can support various scenes are included. Well, that one was pretty, uh, pretty telltale. These are scheduled to come out in July of 2020, and they look about average size. They say the uh, the height is 48.5 millimeters, uh, so that's about average, I do believe. And for Mira, from the feminine streamlined form to the eye-catching large ribbons to the texture and decoration of the costume, she recreates the graceful image of her original work. The back hair and skirt are made of soft materials to achieve smooth movement. Well, that's what we want. Ladies, you get that back hair going and you're going to get any guy to just swoon over you. Um, they say the accessory comes with five types of replacement hand parts, enabling posing to suit various scenes why well, is only five hands you would think there'd be an even number that's kind of weird and not to be outdone um there are official shop limited versions that come with quote battle face parts so i guess if you i don't know they didn't have a price upgrade for them but you can pay a little bit extra, and each one will come with a different battle face pose. And uh, <laughs> they're pretty hilarious, i got to be honest. So yeah, I couldn't help but share uh, that one with you guys. That was, um, that was gold, absolutely. And I will probably be, uh, probably be getting into those, I would have to imagine, at some point. Whenever they... Hopefully I don't have to pay, like, uh, go through the Japanese shop. I can just do it normally. So the last thing on the docket is I did pose a question in the Facebook page, and I do apologize as I just kind of thought of it at the last whim. Uh, well, not a question, but an, a, a, a 
posed to to ask if anybody had anything to talk about on the podcast um, this morning. So you, if you didn't, if you see this and didn't uh, get your question in for this week, go ahead and post it on there, and we can talk about it next week. So there's two of them that I want to talk about in particular. And Jeff asks, what JRPGs have standout stories from this generation? Jeff, I'm not going to uh, shock you probably with these answers, but there's a big three in my mind. Okay. Persona 5, um, Dragon Quest 11. And for me, I really, really love Tales of Berseria's story. I thought it was, I thought it was excellent, um, especially by Tales standards. Um, I guess if you want to include Tales of Vesperia, um, that's that's fine. Um, or those are those are the biggest ones. Uh, they got it. They got it absolutely right on those two. You couldn't have done much better. But I guess if you're talking about overall story, it's going to be hard to beat Trails of Cold Steel 3 just with every story aspect that they were putting into it. Kind of, you know, taking two games before it and putting it into a third game. They definitely um, they definitely had the most involved story uh, today. It's, it's intensive, like your brain's going to be working really hard while you're trying to figure out all this stuff. But that is definitely my answer. And that'll lead into what is our Sunday special this week? Well, uh, we did something kind of fun and different. Um, if, if you haven't noticed, the theme of the Sunday special is absolutely different. And... This week, I've done something I've never done before, and I've actually not listened to a whole lot of them, so I'm not sure what the proper format is. And we did a spoiler cast for Trails of Cold Steel 3. Um, Like I said, I've really not listened to one before. I obviously know of their existence, hence why I was able to to do one, but I've kind of shot away from them. But I just thought it would be really fun, and it was that um, listener's suggestion that we do so. And so it's going to come out on Sunday. Uh, we try to release it around noontime. And uh, I think you guys enjoyed the uh, concert last week, the soundtrack. So keeping on that theme of Cold Steel 3, we're going to talk all about everything. So the way I kind of did it was the first half before the ad is stuff that is just kind of general points to talk about um nothing like plot related spoilers so i feel like you could probably tune into the first half and be be okay um you may get a small thing or small detail ruined i didn't talk about anything i think plot wise now after the ad no holds barred it, uh, I didn't hold anything back. I talked about anything that I could think of. I certainly missed some things, I'm sure, as uh, as it's a giant game and uh, series so far. But if you are so inclined to listen up to the point of the ad, don't forget to listen to the ad. But uh, <laughs> at that point, you will definitely want to uh, stop if you do not want absolutely everything ruined. 
from the add-on you will have needed to have played Cold Steel 3 until the end credits, or you'll be very mad at me. <laughs> and that will be your own fault. It will not be mine. <laughs> but anyway, that's our teaser for for this week. Um, I did get another question in from Dalton, and I think it is a perfect, um, perhaps either Sunday special or a, a longer topic I'll need to look into. He asked how the Persona series has evolved over the years. And um, it's a great question that I'll have to actually put some research into. I didn't actually play part one or two. Uh, obviously, I know about them, but I would need to really get all my thoughts together properly and maybe write something down uh, to properly answer that question and uh, give you a full thought. Hans did ask, and actually, I don't think he he didn't really put a question mark on there, but he definitely says, why does it seem like every RPG, including JRPGs, are open world? Um, yeah, and, and Jeff did chime in there. He said, uh, it's an industry fad. Fortunately, it seems to be dying off. People are getting tired of open world games. And I agree um, that it is a fad. It is a influence of Western gaming. Um, games like what well, we talked about, Red Dead Redemption 2 and Grand Theft Auto before that. Um, I think... Japanese developers saw this and thought that they should incorporate this into their games. And then we get a mediocre game like Final Fantasy XV as a result of it. And what I, I think is, is odd is, in my opinion, Japan started kind of the quote-unquote open world game with giving you giant open worlds to explore. And I think what happened was, and I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the ways, like, um, we got like these really streamlined experiences in JRPGs and it cut out the exploration of things. What? And then they went like full knee jerk reaction and gave us <laughs> something like 15 or, you know, even if you want to look at, you know, like Legend of Zelda where they had done the same thing, but then they give something more like Breath of the Wild, which is at least in a lot of people's minds is, is open world like that. And most people would argue they did it right. Um, I don't know. I feel like that they have the formula and we want a world to explore. There obviously needs to be like map boundaries though. And as much as I love a game like let's say Xenoblade Chronicle, Chronicles 2, you know, if you wander into the wrong section or you come across one of the unique bosses, you know, monsters that can just pummel you in a second, you're going to die very quickly. And you should know what that line is like I'm playing Raza right now and you know there's edges to each map and you go to the end of that map and you go through the door quote unquote and you access the next map and I think that's kind of just the way it should be done um I don't I don't know why people are doing this 
And I think that you that developers in general, and especially with RPGs, really need to think about the best way of doing that. Like I have no problem with loading screens and no problem with transitions. The whole world does not need to be laid out for me to explore. Like I would much rather go to a screen and quote enter a town and then have that town able to be fully explored, including interiors to buildings rather than, Oh, it's all open. I can just wander onto the street like I normally would, or I can just wander, you know, over to this area. There needs to be boundaries. It can all be opened up eventually, perhaps, but there's, there's a line there and people kind of know when you mess up that line. So hopefully they're working on that and with the next upcoming generation that they can get that a little more correct. We're going to have much more powerful machines. So I dare say that is the hope for sure. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up episode 100 of the JRPG report. We'll give myself a little golf clap. We made it a hundred in and uh, with any luck, we'll make it a hundred more. And, but that's only with your guys' support and continued listening. Uh, without you guys, there's really no point for me to sit here and talk to myself for a while, but I do appreciate your continued support and, uh, joining all of our different platforms and keeping me going through the week. So we'll wrap this one up with those words until next time. Get back out there. I love love.